You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning, man. It is good to see you guys here today. We are in a series entitled Count On Me, and we're asking the question, who can we count on? And, And we've started this series a few weeks ago, and we started week one by saying that a partner is defined as someone who we can count on. And maybe, you know, from other church experience, you've heard it called a church member. And, and so we just, we planted the church. We just didn't really like that terminology because, you know, a, a member kind of gives the idea that, you know, we're, we're joining a country club and we're going to be a member. We're going to have all this kind of stuff. We have, that's not really the, what we're trying to communicate When we are becoming a partner, what we're saying is we're taking on the responsibilities of the church to carry this to where God wants it to go. And so specifically at FC, if you've become a partner, what you've committed to is is that you've committed to attend, to serve, to be a part of a small group, and to financially give. And so that's the commitments uh, that we're making when we partner. And in this series, my goal uh, is that everyone would engage this process on some level. And essentially that, that everyone would take their next step of faith. Because everybody's going to be different on this. And, and so some of you who are not partners, uh, your next step may not be to partner. It might be something else. And I'm praying God reveals that to you. And so I hope that you just continue to attend and continue to, you know, press forward and experience what God has for you here. Uh, but I do want you to consider partnering with FC as your next step. And so that would require you to go to base camp and in base camp where we would be able to help you understand how you can grow closer to Christ and, and how you can get connected to this church. And, and uh, it, it's just so beneficial uh, to, to be a part of. And, and I want to encourage you to do that. And so that's a huge takeaway from this series. And the second thing that's a huge takeaway from this series is that if you have already committed to be a partner, whether you did that almost eight years ago when we planted the church or maybe in the last year, we're asking you to reaffirm that commitment and to repartner with Foothills Church. Now, if you're a partner, you probably got a letter this week and you read that and you were like, what in the world? I've never heard of a church doing this. Why in the world would this church do this? I, I, I just don't get it. Well, I'm going to try to help you today. And, 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 and the reality is one of the reasons why you like Foothills uh, Church is because we do things differently. And so this is part of doing things differently. And, and let me explain at least three reasons why we would do that. And the first reason is this, it it really models the value and the importance of partnership. Like I have a high value for partnering. It's just not a box you check. It's just not something you say, yeah, we did that because we asked you to or something. It doesn't earn you, you know, heaven points when you die to like do this. for, For us, it really is valuable and an important step of faith. And so, you know, uh, for some of you, like you, you, you've thought about like all the sermon series that we've done. You stay up late thinking about our sermon series and, and how I plan them and, 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 and how we talk about different things. And you've, you've picked up on this because you're really smart, right? We've just gone through the book of Acts and we've gone through, you know, the first seven chapters. And so you're like, man, yeah, first seven chapters. And now we're doing a series called Count on Me. And we're talking about who can we count on. Now, essentially, you've already understood this, that like we talk about the early church, We see how God formed the early church and what the early church did. And now what we're doing is we're actually applying what we were learning in this whole series. Like we're applying what it looks like for you and I to be the early church and to accomplish the things that God wants us to accomplish. And so, yeah, we're we're modeling in this process the importance and the value 
of partnership. And, and so you know how it goes in, in church life. Maybe you've been a part of other churches and pastors like to brag about how many members they have, you know? How many members you got? We got a thousand members. Well, good. Well, how many people attend? 200? <laughs> well, where's the other 800 people? Like, what's happening? Well, those are our inactive members. That's an oxymoron. That's like saying jumbo shrimp. Like those two words just don't go together. They're completely opposite. You can't be a partner and be an, an active partner. It just, it just logically doesn't make sense. You're either partnering and doing it or you're not, right? And so for us, this is a way for us to kind of clean out our roles. Like there have been people that have come and they have moved on, right? For whatever reasons. Some people have moved out of town or moved out of state and in our records, they're still partners. And so this is a healthy way for us to, to clean that. I, my first church I partnered was at a First Baptist Church. There were 60 people that attended. We had almost a thousand members. And I'm like, you got it. What is going on here? Looking at the role, and, and a lot of those people had moved away. Two of them were dead. It's time to move on, right? Like you got to remove. So, so for us, this, this is not like a salvation issue. Like Removing dead people from the role doesn't mean that they're not going to heaven, right? This is a way for us to know who we can count on. And that's really the second reason. We want to know who can we count on. And so we're, we're describing and revisiting the commitments that are, you know, we're, we're saying that we committed to. And so for, for all of us, you know, if you're not a partner, I want to encourage you to think about it. And for those of you that are a partner, I want you to, I want you to, Take less than five minutes and repartner with us. You're going to do it online. The website will go live next week. It's fcpartner.us. You can go look at it now. But next week is when it will go live. You're going to have a couple of months to do it. Um, and, and, and the reason for us is, okay, we're, we're being reminded of our commitments. And, and for some of you, it's going to be like, you know what? We, we partnered, but we're actually not fulfilling those four commitments. And so maybe you're not serving. And so I'm going to ask you to repartner and then take those next steps whatever those next steps are for you, to, to plug in and to do what you've said, you know, you're gonna do. And so I think it's huge. I think it's a good season for us to be in. Thirdly, it tells me, it tells our elders who we're shepherding. Because biblically, you know, I'm, you know, I wanna love the whole city. I'm shepherding and I wanna disciple everybody in our church, attenders, partners alike. But scripturally, you know, the, the Bible says that I'm gonna be held accountable to those who are committed to this church, so the, the partners of this church. So it's important for me to know who's with us, who's with me. We're, we're doing some really, you know, really scary things. Let's just be honest with you. We've got this new auditorium. We're getting ready to assume this, you know, this loan. And it's like, who's with us? Like, like we wanna know who's gonna carry that torch and carry that ball with us, right? We wanna start a campus in Knoxville. We wanna start other campuses. But before we take those risks, like I need to make a calculated decision here. Like who is with us? How many people are actually going to be with us as we pursue God's will? And so I think this is an important step in the life of our church, just kind of in the season. You know, we're seven and a half years old. Good time to kind of clean that out and know where we stand. Now, some people might hear me say this and go, we're just saying the Bible, you got to do that. It doesn't, you know, it's not, I'm not going to give you a chapter and verse today and says, you got to repartner every seven years. That's not it. Essentially, as an elder and, and, and as, you know, our staff, we're, we're, we're asking you to do this so we know who we can count on. Um, some of you are going to say, you can't make me do this. I know, I can't, you know. I hope you do, but I can't make you, you know, do this. But again, as your pastor, I'm asking you to make that recommitment. Again, I'm going to talk more about it next week. 
We're going to explain it. The website explains how to do it. It's really easy and simple. You know, it'll take you less than five minutes. But the point is that you are understanding what the commitments are and you're actually following through with it because that's who we can count on. Now, if you've missed any sermons, you haven't been here for whatever reasons the last few weeks, it's important that you kind of go through the progression. Week one, they talked about uh, what a partner is. Pastor Todd did a great job. Week two, Brant talked about relationships in church and why connecting in small groups is important. Last week, Pastor Lena did a great job uh, talking about serving in the church. And so uh, go back, listen to those, get caught up. And today I want to ask the question, how do you lead your family to partner in God's church? And so how does the family get involved in this progression? And so if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter six. And as you're turning there, let's prepare our hearts for God's word today. I want to pray. Father, we just pray yet again that you would speak to us, and that we would hear from you, God, and that we would, we would take that step, whatever it is, that would lead us into a deeper relationship with you. And our families and our kids would be impacted as a result in a healthy, amazing, miraculous way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, you know, it is really, really good to be back with you guys. For the last four weeks, um, my family of I uh, we've been kind of all over the place and uh, been asked by a lot of people. So I've just been you know, sharing this. So everybody kind of knows what, what's been up. And uh, basically the first week we went to the beach in California. It was awesome. And uh, we were planning to be gone for four weeks. And so, you know, as we were there, you know, enjoying the weather, enjoying the beach, Mike and I, we were like, okay, so what's what are we going to do as far as our devotions, our family time, you know, as we look at God's word? And we, we just decided to go through the book of Colossians. We're going to be gone four weeks. It has four chapters. Let's dive into the book of Colossians. And so week one at the beach was incredible. You know, we, we were, we were uh, giving them questions and they were doing questions in their quiet time and bringing them back. And we were talking about it and it was just awesome. And, and uh, then week two, we went and we picked up an RV, and um, we traveled through six states. We went to um, uh, the Grand Canyon. We went up through Utah and went to Arches National Park, went up to Yellowstone and stayed there a few days. Then we went into Colorado, um, in, into the Rocky Mountains for a few days. And th- those two weeks were, were just great in the RV. Now, there's a movie called RV. Anybody seen this movie? Okay, good. So Robin Williams is in this uh, movie, and he says something in the movie that, that, that really stood out to me after this trip. And he said, if you ever really want to find out about yourself, put your family in an RV and drive. And I can affirm that statement, people. <laughs> we went from focusing on, we're going to do a Bible study on Colossians. We're going to dive in every week to focusing on, we don't need to kill our children. <laughs> like, God, help us to restrain our, our desire to strangle them right now, right? Because here we are, you know, I've got four kids and we're in this RV and we're, we're traveling hours, you know, and it was fun. It was, it was, it was awesome. I'm kind of embellishing here a little bit, but here's what I learned. My kids are, are little imitators of Trent and Micah Stewart. And the good things I see, but the things that I struggle with, And the things that I'm dealing with in my own personality and in my own life, it's amplified in their life. And this RV setting really amplified issues in our family. (laughs) And so we kind of stepped back and we punted from our our Colossian study to talking about what was happening and why it was happening. 
and we looked at God's word and we tried to have some conversations and some of it was yelling and some of it was helpful. And, 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 and by and large, man, I feel like I really grew closer to my kids and, and they grew closer to me and my wife as well. And I say that because one of my biggest struggles that I'm, I'm learning is that as a dad, I've got this ideal image of what my family should look like. I've got this picture of, in my head, like how my kids should act and, and what they should do. And in and, 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 and that image, I, I'm always constantly kind of struggling with they're not living up to that image. And so sometimes that causes me to be harder on them, you know? And so maybe you kind of struggle with that and in some ways as well, you've got this ideal image of, of how they should act and, and what they should be doing, you know. And so you buy them certain clothes to look a certain way. And, 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 and maybe you want them to be, a, a, you know, an athlete. And so you've got them in all these different sports and you're, you're running and gunning, you know, week in and week out to this sport and to that practice. And you're just, you know, killing yourself because your desire for them is to be some great, you know, professional athlete or something. Or, or maybe it's grades or, you know, whatever it is, you have this ideal picture. And for some of us, this ideal picture kind of looks like this. Look at this picture. This is the, the perfect family, right? They're beautiful, so beautiful. You, you know, you want to throw up in your mouth a little bit, and the kids are gorgeous, and they, you know, the eyes and the teeth, and it's just like, you know what? This is your neighbor. This is the person at work, or maybe the person in the church that you look at, and you're like, I want my family to look and act like that because they're perfect, they don't do what I do. Their kids don't act like my kids act. They got it better than me, right? In reality, your family really looks like this. Take a look at this picture. Yeah. A little awkward, right? We're not sure what we're doing with our hands here. I think I want to kill mom. And, you know, daughter's having some weird thoughts as well. I mean, it's a little dysfunctional, right? And when we think about it, this is, this is your family. This is my family. Like, like, we don't have it all together. Like, I'm not a perfect parent. My kids mess up, and they do the same stupid things on a regular basis. Have you ever looked at them and said, can you not remember what I said five seconds ago? Why do you, you know, and you just, you're just constantly dealing with that. I think for some of us, we're holding up the wrong picture. We're holding up this ideal image, this wrong picture of what we want our family to be, of what we think our kids should look like and act like. And, and, and the reality is, if you were honest, most of it doesn't have anything to do with their spiritual life. For most of us, you're just kind of wanting your kids to have worldly success. Get a cute spouse, have cute kids, make a lot of money, make me proud. <coughs> God is nowhere in the picture. And what happens is we have this, we start forming this unrealistic picture. That's what it is. It's unrealistic because we, we aren't perfect as parents. Our kids aren't perfect, but we have this standard. You got to go, you got to live, you got to do all this. And what it causes you to do is to parent out of fear. Our kids have to go to the next sport. They have to practice every night. They have to get extra practice in with, with personal coaches. Why? Because if we don't, then I'm not a good parent or they won't become this legend that I've created in my head that they're gonna be. They've, they've gotta study, they've gotta do this, they've gotta look this way and it's unrealistic and you're parenting out of fear and your parenting looks exactly like the rest of the world. And you gotta step back and pump the brakes and realize that you're a follower of Jesus 
That means you think differently. Your worldview on how you parent and what you prioritize in your life looks different, no matter what culture is doing around you. So the question then is this, are you willing to prioritize your faith and lead your family to put God first? That's my question today. Are you willing to prioritize your faith, lead your family to put God first? To stop focusing on the ideal picture that you have in your brain and start focusing on the bigger picture that God wants you to experience in your life. Now, let's look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter six, verse four. Let me start. I, I was out west, dry weather, healthy the whole time. I get back in the great state of East Tennessee with all these allergens and I got the crud and all this kind of stuff, so I try not to hack on you. I am gonna have to drink a lot of water though. So here's verse four, chapter six. <clears throat> he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I know this is a very popular and familiar passage, but let me give you some encouragement today, at least three truths I want us to grasp as parents and as a church. And the first one is this, you are not alone. You say, I am divorced and I'm parenting and I I actually am on my own, Trent. Let me say it again. You are not alone. You say, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm here, Trent, and yeah, I've got a spouse, but he or she's not really into the whole church thing, and so they don't really come that much. So yeah, I I am alone, actually, Trent. Let me say it again. You are not alone. Moses is talking to the entire community here, and he's saying, hear, O Israel. In other words, O community of believers, all you who have your faith in God, all of you. So what he's saying here is that as a community, it is our responsibility to raise the next generation. Sure, mom and dad, you're the primary disciple maker, but oh, Foothills Church, you're not alone. We've decided to partner together and help raise our kids to love God, to serve God, and to worship Him alone. See, this is good news for you. I mean, how many parents in the room would just admit today by a show of hands that you need some help as a parent from time to time? Anybody want to admit that? It's the hardest thing I have ever had to do in my life to parent well. You know, it's a challenge every single day. But what I love is that I'm at a church that is partnering with me to help raise my kids to love Jesus. Now, every parent needs other godly adults in our children's lives to speak truth into their life and to say things that you're gonna say, but the reality is they're not listening to you anymore. You remember when your kids were little and, and you'd come home from work and they were already there. As soon as you opened up the door, they would like run, daddy, mommy, and you like get a big hug. And that was awesome. I, my kids are older now. And so the only person that greets me at the door is my dog. 
and I love Brutus, and, but it's not like my kids when they were little, you know. But, but as they get older, I notice more and more and more that, you know, conversations are changing. And so there's going to be a day in your child's life, you know, somewhere as a teenager that, that all of a sudden they're not going to be talking to you like they used to talk to you so openly. And, and they're not going to run, you know, your daughter's not going to run home and talk to you about her boyfriend problems like you think that, that you know, that she should. And your, your son's not going to run home and talk to you about the temptations he's dealing with, you know. And, and, and the reality is that that's part of that adolescent stage, but but, but here's the thing, and the reality is they are going to talk to someone. So as a wise, godly parent, my advice to you would be be intentional about who they're talking to. And so we call these people that are partnering and speaking into our kids, small group leaders, and they are amazing people. They're men, they're women, they're young, they're seasoned, not old, just seasoned, <laughs> right? And, and, and they're made up of all different walks of life, you know? And, and they're pouring into your little ones even right now as we sit in here. In Little Street and Kid Street, there are, there are, are, are godly adults who are, who are riding on the hearts of your children that God loves them and that God has a plan for their life and that Jesus loves them. And they don't get it yet, do they? They don't get it. They're just like, I love this place. You know, my, that guy's here every week and we have fun together and mom and dad come and I don't know what's going on here, but I love it, right? One day, all these dots are gonna begin to connect, right? And so, so you know, when we are, when we are here, we're, we're seeing small group leaders pouring into the life of our kids. Now, small group leaders are partnering with you, mom and dad, but they're not the primary disciple maker in those kids' lives. You are. I mean, we, we have a system, we have a philosophy here that as a church, we're gonna partner with you and help you, but, but you've gotta take the reins. Like, you've gotta know that you can't depend on other people to raise your kids and teach them about Jesus. This has to be your role. And so what we do is we give you tons of resources. We love on your kids. We, we, we train up leaders and equip them to love on your kids. And, and I encourage you to partner and get to know those small group leaders, whether you've got a, a teenager in the student ministry or in the, in the children's ministry, buy them gift cards and love on them and thank them as much as you can for, for what they're pouring into your kids. But then also realize that every week, if your kids are in Little Street or Kid Street, you get a parent cue and that's just a bunch of questions and scripture to further that conversation at home. It's why we give all of our partners access to uh, an online platform called Right Now Media with thousands of Bible studies that include all kinds of studies on parenting. And we're trying to equip you. Like we have Parent Connects on Wednesday nights for, for, for parents to, to really help them in, in various different topics and, and various different ways. And we have a parenting conference coming up this fall you know, our adult leaders are, and, and our pastors are doing everything we can to resource you. Our student ministry has sermons online so you can watch them and, 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 and there's so much access to what's happening there to help you further that conversation along. Like we don't have a Wednesday night program for you to come and drop your kids off so that you can go to the grocery store once a week. We think that it's actually more important instead of dropping your kids off to another program to actually sit down at your kitchen table and have that conversation and for you to teach your own kids. Here's the second point if you're taking notes. As a parent, loving your kids the right way starts with you loving God the right way. Loving your kids the right way 
starts with you loving God the right way. Look at verses five and six here again. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on what? Say it. Your heart. Say it again. One more time and then that's it. I'm out. On the count of three. One, two, three. Your heart. It starts with my heart as a dad. And it starts with your heart as a parent. You say, you know what? It's a pretty easy day for me today. I don't have kids here, Trent. So yeah, preach it to them. Bring it, bring it. But here's the reality. When you partner with Foothills Church, you're saying, I'm here to help you, mom. I'm here to help you, dad, raise your kids. So I'm gonna be here. I'm gonna love and support and I, I, I might even be a small group leader. Why? Because we're not alone. We're doing this together. And as a parent, we're realizing that we're the primary disciple maker. It starts with your own heart. Your ability to love your children the right way starts with you learning how to love God the right way. Now, your children don't need perfect parents, right? Thankfully, they don't need you to be perfect. What they need you to do is give them a front row seat to the grace and goodness of God. Give them a front row seat. Let them see it through your life, the grace and goodness and love of God. How do you do that? Well, dad, well, mom, it starts with you prioritizing your own relationship with Jesus. It starts with you taking this on in your own heart and loving and worshiping Jesus and serving the hurting, pursuing knowledge, biblical knowledge, so that then can change your behavior, transform your heart, and they can begin to see a different mom, a different dad. You see, it starts with your heart. They don't need perfection. They need honesty. They need authenticity. They need a dad who will read the Bible and say, son, I don't really know what this means, but it sounds pretty cool, right? Like we need to figure it out together. They need a mom that'll apologize to them and show them what it looks like to, to say they're sorry. And they need a dad who, you know, will treat their mother as Christ loves the church. They need a front row seat to the grace and goodness of God. Not perfection, but a front row seat to his grace and goodness. And what we notice when we are showing our kids this grace and goodness is a very broken man who messes up, but he's willing to admit it when it happens. And they begin to see it. And begin to see mom and dad serving the lost, serving the broken. And then they realize that this place isn't just a place we come to to hang out with people. Like there's, there's something deeper happening here. There's something significant happening here. And maybe we don't have the full picture, but we're beginning to see it because we're on the front row of the grace and goodness of God If I'm going to help my kids connect to Jesus, I've got to get connected myself. Thirdly, connecting your kids to God's plan has to be, must be, should be your priority. As a parent, your number one priority is to connect your children to God's plan. Now, why is that, you know, even a point that I would say? Well, because for most of us, we're not considering God's plan yet. We're just considering our plan. Act this way, play this sport, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. We, we rarely talk about Jesus and his plan. 
And so we have to change that in our habits and and what we are sharing with our kids. Look at verse 7. He says, you shall teach them. You've got to teach them, he says, diligently, ongoing, intentionally. He says, talk about them when you sit at home. So instead of just watching TV, is there a dedicated hour every week or maybe every day where you're praying together, where you're talking about spiritual matters? When you walk, by the way, so when's the last time you went on a walk with your kids around the neighborhood? You know, when you're on vacation, you take walks and it's great, it's wonderful. We get home, we, we don't walk anymore. Walk the dog, be with your kids. Great opportunity to talk to your kids about spiritual things. You say, I don't know what to say. Parent cue, there's an app. There's so many questions on there to blow your mind, videos to watch, all kinds of stuff. Like you've got resources at a push of a button. Maybe when you're driving, instead of just blaring the radio or looking at devices, let's have a conversation. It doesn't have to be a 30-minute conversation, by the way. If you can get a five-minute conversation with your kids, consider it a win, right? About spiritual matters, I'll take 60 seconds, you know? <laughs> and I think that's a win. So he says, while you're, while you're walking and, 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 and walking by the way, when you lay down, what's your bedtime routine for your little kids? Make out a consistent Perfect opportunity to pour spiritual things in the life of your kids. And then when you leave in the morning, what's it look like, you know, this week when you wake up and get back into the routine of school? I know, that's not fair. It's going to be terrible. <laughs> Let's just be honest. I don't care how spiritual you are. This week is going to be tough. But, but we can get into a rhythm to where the mornings aren't chaotic, you know, screaming at each other, yelling late, running into the car, or hitting the bus, or whatever you do with the Pop-Tart in hand. And You know, we could create a rhythm to where, you know, it's actually an encouraging, you know, morning where our kids are blessed and and maybe they read or you share scripture, you listen to the Bible being read, you know, on your app, on your phone or whatever it is, it could be different. But here's what I know about kids that really frustrate me. Um, First of all, they're going to mess up, can't stop that, and people are going to hurt them. To me, as a parent, that frustrates me, right? Right? I'm sure it frustrates you from time to time too if you really think about it. Our kids are gonna mess up, they're not perfect. And people are gonna hurt them. As much as you want to take a baseball bat and follow your daughter around and pop anybody on the head that ever hurts her, you just can't do that. As much as you wanna take that baseball bat and and swing it for your son in baseball so that he always gets a hit and never strikes out, you just can't do that, right? But what you can do is connect them to God's plan. Not not tell them what God's plan is, but help them figure it out. And you can stay out of God's way and you can continue to push God's story at the forefront of their life because God is calling them to something bigger than their little world and their little sports arena and whatever it is they got going on in school. Like there's a bigger story at hand here. God is, is at work in history God is a redeeming God and he is calling you to be a part of that story. And he's calling your children and your teenagers and your young adults to be a part of that story. It's a story of a God who forgives people who don't deserve forgiveness. It's a story about a God who loves people who run away from him. It's a story about a God who shows grace to his children who worship idols. It is an amazing story. And God is writing that story in your child's heart. And your responsibility is not 
to project this image and this ideal picture that you have for them. It is to point them to God's plan for their life. And that can be scary. Because I guarantee you, if they follow God's plan, it's going to be risky. It's going to be dangerous. It's not going to be what you thought it was going to be. It's always going to require more than than you thought it was going to require. But at the end of the day, God gets the glory and your kids get the blessing. You know, what would it look like if you're a young adult graduating from high school, you know, in the near future? What would it look like instead of just going to UT, you went to a Bible college and considered ministry? What would it look like to, to go live in London for a couple of years, do online courses or go to school there? and partner with one of our church planners or, or go to the Himalayan mountains where they're, they're reaching unreached peoples there. Heck, climb Mount Everest while you're there. Give two years, give a year just to serve God and just to go overseas somewhere to help people meet Jesus. I start talking about that and parents start giving me the stink eye. Hold up, now. I do not want my kids moving anywhere. They're going to go to UT. They're going to live in Knoxville. They're going to get a good job. And they're going to give me some good grandkids. Maybe. Unless that's not God's plan for their life. You don't want to get in the way. You want to promote the plan of Jesus. Are you going to be willing to prioritize your faith? And are, are you going to actually put God first? Now, here's how I'm going to apply this message, right? One thing, and the good thing about today's application is that everybody's doing awesome at it. Everybody gets an A plus today, right? You're doing it. Because the application is if you want to put God first, if you're going to prioritize your faith, then you're actually going to attend church. And you did it. Everybody give a fist pump and be like, yes, I'm good. I'm the man, right? Because you're doing a good job today. We'll see what happens next week. But today, I'm just kidding. Today, you're doing really well, now, why is this important? Because I, I think it's an, it, it, it's an intentional priority shift in our life that church is something that we don't just do if we don't have anything else to do, but if we're gonna diligently teach our kids and we're gonna partner with Foothills Church, then we're going to be here. So, so if we're not here, we're not just hurting our spiritual life, we're also hurting our, our children's lives who aren't with their small group leader, who aren't learning in the next story about God's big story that, that God is writing on their hearts and they're, they're missing that relationship, they're missing that connection. If you're not connecting your students in our student ministry, you are missing some of the most vital and important moments and times of your entire child's life. Between the ages of 13 and 19, they're getting ready to make the biggest decisions that they may ever make. Life-altering decisions is is what they're gonna be dealing with during this time. And they're not ready to make all those decisions, but culture is kind of forcing this issue, you know, for them to make some really hard choices. And and guess what? They're not gonna talk to you about it. They may, if you're one of the few chosen, great, most of us ain't gonna happen, but they are gonna talk to somebody. I mean, I, I would do everything in my power to prioritize Wednesday nights for my students so that they get connected to a, a, a godly leader and not just once every four weeks or once every six weeks or three, like, like committed so they can build that relationship and hear that consistent message in their life. Our children's ministry, our kids' ministry, they're not perfect, but they're really good. Like, I'm telling you, I know the ministries, student ministries in Knoxville, this, that like ours is really, really good. It's not perfect, but it's really, really good. And, and, and here's the deal. When you make that connection for your kids, you're helping that worldview in their mind begin to be shaped. 
And you're positioning your kids in an environment where they're going to have people to talk to and reach out to and be stirred up. Here's here's a verse for us. Hebrews 10.24 tells us really, really clearly. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's, Here's what he says, very clear here. He says, don't neglect meeting together. Why? Some are getting in the habit of not meeting together regularly. Why don't we do that? Well, when we gather, we are stirring one another up to love and good works. So we're being encouraged, we're being stirred, we're being challenged to love. To love who? Love God, to worship God, to love our neighbor, and to do good works. You see, if I'm not around God's people being stirred up to love God and to love people, every single one of us in the room, because of sin, including myself, will begin to become more and more inward focused, more and more selfish, more and more consumed with my thoughts and what I need. I need other people in my life to speak into me and to stir me up towards love and good works because I, I, if that's not happening, then I'm, 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 I'm really prone to wonder. I love that old hymn. I'm prone to wonder away from God when that happens. And so I need regular, consistent attendance. Now, Gallup did a poll some time ago, and they came back and said that 40% of, of Americans say they attend church regularly. That's 132 million people. Now, that's a bunch of liars right there. That's not happening in America. In fact, in 2005, in the Journal for the Scientific Study of Religion uh, by sociologists C. Kirk Hathaway and Penny Long Marler, their report showed that it's actually about 17% of the people attending. But even out of that 17%, not many of them are consistent. They, said, they say this, um, that the people that they uh, interviewed, the majority of the people, didn't belong to a local church, even though they still identified with their church roots. Never mind, they say, the fact that they attend church less than 12 times a year. We estimate the 78 million Protestants are in this place. In other words, 78 million are going to, saying they're going to church, but they only go to church 12 times a year. Ask most pastors what percentage of inactive members they have and they'll say somewhere between 40 and 60%. It just doesn't make sense, does it? To say that you're a member but never attend. Now, if this was you, um, I don't mean to poke fun, uh, but I do think it, it was a helpful reminder for me. Last week, Landon said, hey, you gotta serve, encourage you to serve, sign up to serve today, and everybody did the card and held it up. And there was one card that came back, and again, if this was you, don't take any offense, but let me use this as a teaching time, right? The, the, the card said, talking about serving all day, right? And the card said, I love this church. Maybe one day I'll serve. Now, see, the reality is we can't say we love something if we're not willing to serve it, right? I mean, that's not really love. And I get what this person is probably saying. I love this place. I'm just not ready. And I get that, and, 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 I, and I understand that, but... It'd be like me giving my wife a Valentine's Day card this year and say, honey, I love you. Maybe one day I'll talk to you. (laughs) It just doesn't make sense, does it? And so we've got to move forward. What's our next step here? It's not not just a sporadic attendance, but it's really a a mind shift, a priority shift. Like we're going to put God first, so we're going to be here. And so here's where I live as a pastor. I live on this line. I try to always be 
you know, on this line. Because if, if I veer too far this way, you become the, the Turner Burn pastor. You got to attend every week or you're going to hell. You're just a bad person. Like that doesn't, that's not helpful. <laughs> we miss, things happen. You can't be here 100% of the time. We get that. But then there's this other side where we just don't talk about it. And we just, there's like a low level of commitment for everybody. And, and there's, there's a really low standard. And I can't go there either. So I've got to kind of be right here in the middle to where I say, it's super important. Like this is a huge part of your spiritual growth, right? It, it matters. And so that's where I'm, I'm, I'm trying to live today. And, and at the same time, I know that over the last year, we're going to talk about this, you know, this percentage, this 17% of the people that typically, you know, happens you know, think about your attendance over the last year, 52 weeks in a year. For some of you, um, you, know, you went on vacation. Got to use those vacation times, right? So, so, you know, you went on a vacation, maybe you went to the beach or something, and that overlapped two weekends. So that was two, you know, Sundays that you missed. And then you went on that fall break trip because that's a great time to go somewhere. And so that overlapped two weekends as well. So that was two more Sundays. And, and then you had the spring break weekender that you got away. And, and so that's a total of five Sundays you miss every year or, or maybe last year for vacations. Well, and then you got sports. Kids got to play sports and kids have to prioritize their sports teams. We got we to teach them commitment. So we're not going to let the team down. So we're going to have to travel and we're going to go to this game and this game. Before you know it, you've been away for nine different tournaments and you've not been at church for nine weeks. And so that's part of it. And then you've got sickness. I mean, kids get sick, right? People get sick and it tends to always happen on the weekends. So you're missing at least three Sundays a year you know, for being sick. And, and then there's the old guest preachers that come in because Trent's out of town. We don't got to go this week, right? And so not you guys, but other people do that. And so that's three Sundays right there that, that they don't show up. And, and then you got the in-laws that are visiting. So the in-laws are coming in town and they don't really want to go to church. And, and so we just feel like we have to stay at home and do that. And then we got to go visit the in-laws. And so we go visit them. That's another weekend we miss. That's two Sundays right there. Then there's the holidays, Right. I mean, Thanksgiving week, man, too much turkey. You can't go to church this week. Got too much going on. We missed that Sunday. And the Sunday after Christmas, before New Year's, are you kidding me? We're not going to church that week. So there's two Sundays right there for holidays that we miss every year. And that's 24 Sundays that you miss every year just because life happens and that's your priorities and that's how life has taken you. And so that leaves you 28 Sundays to come to church. Now, 28 Sundays might be cool with you. You might be like, hey, that's not bad, actually. 28 days out of 365 days, one hour. <laughs> Let's not forget, again, this is not you guys. This is, this is probably the second service people, not the committed third service people. I wouldn't say this in front of them. Don't tell them I said this, but, but some people are late to church. It happens, right? And so if that's like a consistent pattern for you, it's like you miss, you know, two songs every week. You catch the end of the last one. And so, you know, and then you're, you know, you're, you, because you slept in, you were kind of late, um, you're still eating your bagel when I'm, I'm teaching. And so it's kind of like a distraction. So you probably hear about 50% of what, what's said. And, and so, and I mean, you know, not you guys, but other people, they don't really read their Bibles that much. And so that's kind of a thing that's happening. And then there's that whole prayer life thing that's not super awesome right now. I'm kind of lacking. I need to pick that up a little bit. And, and then, I, no, I don't listen to any sermons online or I don't podcast anything. And no, I'm not reading any spiritual books. Who reads? I mean, that's stupid. And, and so, you know, that's just kind of our spiritual life. And so we've got 28 hours a year that is supposed to connect us to Jesus. Connect a few dots today. 
doesn't it kind of make sense that your marriage is in the tank if that's your life? I mean, if that's your spiritual life, if that's what it consists of, doesn't it seem no wonder we're financially a mess? We don't know what we're doing financially. We're not putting God first. We're not following any biblical standards here. I mean, it begins to line up when you think about it. Like, like showing up to church is not the end all. You know, it's not like just being here is going to solve all of our problems. And, and I'm not saying you got to be here, you're going to hell, you're a bad person. And, but, but I am saying that if all we're doing is showing up and, and all we miss, but we watched it online. We got the online deal. And I'm glad there are people watching right now. I'm glad people are watching I'm glad people watch and podcasts and on-demand, online. These are great resources. But if that's what we're using as our connection to God's church, it is not enough. And so we're not just talking about showing up. We're talking about engaging, like being here, being here. And I truly believe that if we are here, here and engaged, God will begin to transform our life. And at the end of the day, like if I'm your kid and you're only coming to church and bringing me to church 28 times a year, I'm pretty sure that wouldn't convince me that Jesus is your king. And no matter what I want my kids to do, no matter how I want them to act, I reproduce what I am. I mean, I'm telling you, that RV showed me what's happened in my life. I wonder what's happening in yours. I wonder if you're holding up the wrong image, the wrong picture. You've got this ideal image I wonder if it's the wrong pathway, the pathway that follows everybody else in culture because we're gonna have a superstar athlete or we're gonna have a super smart kid or they're beautiful or they're whatever. And so we're gonna make that our priority, run our families ragged, but heck, it's for our kids, right? I don't know. When we're driving on our trip, you know, we're, we're driving across Wyoming. Anybody ever dro- driven across Wyoming? It's like, beautiful in the northwest and they're just like flat and nothing for miles and Utah kind of the same way in southern Utah just flat and desert I would drive for over an hour and not pass anyone that's how like alone and, and, and scarce it was and and so when you came to a gas station brother better stop and fill up because you may not see one for many many a mile right so it was always a little fearful and intimidating as I'm driving. I'm like, I'm getting low. I'm getting low. I got a quarter of a tank. I'm like, oh, I got to find one. Finally get one. Got to fill up. Why? Because I may not see one again. Plus the speed limit in many of those places was 80 miles an hour, which was awesome. <laughs> I kind of felt like I was doing something wrong. But anyway, it was awesome. And my point in saying that is like when, you, when, you're, when you're in the midst of an opportunity that God has given to you, you gotta take advantage of it because you may not see it again. You may not have it again. We got a brand new year. We got a brand new start. You could do things differently. You could prioritize differently this year and put your family on a different path that honors God and prioritizes your relationship with him. Make it real in your family and consistently put God first and be here and engage. And just think of the difference it would make in the long run for your kids and your grandkids. Because it's not just about your grandkids anymore. It's about your grandchildren. It's about 
the life and the family that they're going to be raised in. It's, it's no longer just about you and your spouse. It's no longer just about my kids. Now I'm thinking like, okay, what's next? Like grandchildren and, and future spouses and how, how are they going to pick the right one? Well, I better fill their hearts with the love of Jesus now so that they choose well and that they raise their families the way that I'm trying to raise them. No matter where you're at today or what you're doing, I want to I wanna challenge you to take this card and to make a commitment today. And, and the commitment today as you grab your card is, is simply that you're going to, to lead your family, to prioritize the Sunday morning gathering, to prioritize bringing your kids to Kid Street, Little Street, our children's ministries, prioritizing your family by bringing your kids to our student ministry, college ministry, whatever it is. I want to encourage you to, to, to make this decision. And, and uh, as you're making that, fill out your name, check the whatever box. And I'm going to ask you to hold it up. And, and as a show and a sign to everybody in the room, like this is what we're doing. This is the heart and the trajectory of my family and where I'm going. I think this is a great step for each of us in this season of our church to say, you know what? All y'all here, y'all can count on me. We're going to be here. How many of you would just go ahead and make that commitment today by a show of cards in the air all over the place? Very thankful for you guys. and Praising God that he's doing this in your heart and that together we're doing something unique and huge for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you not ready to do that, praying you take that next step, whatever it is. Keep coming, keep engaging. God's got big things for you in your future. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for just how you change us as we look at it. And so I pray, Lord, that our hearts would continue to be stirred and our affections for you would grow and our heart for the next generation would continue to grow as well. And we pray that you would use us to change this generation for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.